The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. and we're in we're in welcome to mystery team inc i'm maggie and i'm kayla do you have a moment to talk about our lord and savior clippy the paperclip Uh, um i think so as it says in the book of microsoft verse 98 13 it looks like you're writing a letter would you like help yes please in this verse clippy asks us to humble ourselves and put the word above our human desires where can I sign up? <laughs> um, you can just uh, click on this prompt <laughs> to say, yes, I want help writing a letter. God, I miss Clippy. Me too. Technology has really gone downhill. Yeah, I need a Clippy for everything that I do. I need one that's like, it looks like you're trying to turn on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> I did have that dilemma the other day. It's like, I have the internet in my pocket, but like, what good is it without a little a little guide, you know? Should we create an app that yes. it like floats on your phone yeah, screen? Yeah, you can just have a Clippy on your home screen. Yeah, and functionally it's like a cute Ask Jeeves, but yeah. if you're like, I need help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should invent that. Great. I'll just go back to school, get my computer engineering degree. <laughs> Great. Or we can just ask someone to help us set it up. That's true. Should we start a Kickstarter? Yeah. Do we have to get permission from Microsoft? Probably. Can we make like an off-brand Clippy called like Cloppy? And (laughs) And it's a binder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cloppy. (laughs) I think Cloppy would do really well. I agree. But we'd have to like find a way to make it better than having Siri other than the fact that it's Cloppy. You could just, I mean, I feel like we could also do an audio component where you could talk to Cloppy. You'd be like, hey, Cloppy. What's the weather like outside? And Cloppy would be like, it looks like you're trying to ask about the weather. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> would you like help? And we'd be like, yes. It's really the key. The <laughs> it looks like you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea. Let's cut all of this out so no one can steal our idea. No. Okay. We need to leave it in because this is the Kickstarter. This is the whole ad for the Kickstarter. Um, do you have any business other than our new business? I have a business, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Uh, no, except I guess we should say come to our green room live show on Tuesday nights at eight. Oh, yeah. It's really fun. Part so of True far, Tuesday. it's been a real blast. We've been doing Dateline date night where we recap and make jokes about Dateline episodes. <laughs> and it's really fun. Um, they're also we're putting some of them in our feed that you can listen to. But if you want to come live and be part of come listen live and be part of the audience and uh, chat with us, you should come. 
Yeah, the chat is a real like who's who of the best bing bongs in our. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real who's it's who so of fun. Mystery Team Inc. listeners. It's really everyone fun. who's anyone is there and sending us gifts. Yeah, that's all my business. Okay, are you ready for a mystery? Always. All right. Well, I've been um, struggling with whether or not <laughs> I should just tell the story or like name it. But I feel like if I name it, then it's going to be less fun. Okay. So I'm not going to name it. And I'll just tell you. Got it. Lawrence Joseph Bader. No. I'm going to do start every one of my With Keith <laughs> Morrison. Like that. Lawrence Joseph Bader was born on December 2nd, 1926 in Akron, Ohio. He did a stint in the Navy from also, there's not a lot of detail anywhere on this okay. story. Okay. So it's going to be like rough and dirty. Okay. Is that the phrase? <laughs> I don't think it is. Run and gun. We're going to run and... It's going to be... Rough and tumble? It's going to be rough and dirty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're trying to coin a new phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like help? <laughs> so he did a stint in the Navy from 1944 to 1946 and then enrolled in University of Akron. He flunked out after one semester, but... In that one semester, he met Mary Lou Knapp, and they were married on April 19th, 1952. Um, no news on what happened in between. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Lawrence took a job as a cookware salesman to support his growing family, but it soon became clear that the earning potential of that job was limited. Lawrence fell into debt and also fell behind on his taxes, and one estimate said that it was likely that he didn't file his taxes from 1951 to 1957. Guys, if you're behind on your taxes, don't feel that bad. No. That guy didn't file his taxes for six years. Yeah. Also, I cry every time I do my taxes. Mm -hmm. I have since I was 18 years old, mm -hmm. 11 years strong, cried every time. <laughs> I cried this year. I haven't even finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> so also I say one estimate, but really that just means that one of my sources said that and mm -hmm. the other ones just said he was in trouble with the IRS. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cite my source mostly. It's a Mental Floss article that I will link <laughs> yes. in the show notes. It's really fun. Um, but I trust Mental Floss. On May 15th, 1957, Lawrence Joseph Bader told Mary Lou that he was going to drive to Cleveland on business and was then going to go fishing and that he would be home late. Mary Lou at the time was pregnant with their fourth child and she was like, can you like not go fishing and just mm -hmm. come home? And he said, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Mm -hmm. Like that's the quote. Ladies, if he wanted to, he would. Mm -hmm. So Lawrence- Go fishing. And he did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> So Lawrence drove to Cleveland, where he cashed a check for $400 and paid some outstanding bills, including an installment premium on his life insurance policy. Hmm. Then that afternoon, he went to Eddie's Boathouse, which is a boat rental place on the Rock River, which flows into Lake Erie. I also did have to Google, like, what's it called where a river flows into a lake? Because everything I could find was like, it like dumps out into the lake. And yeah. I was like, there has to be a more elegant way to say that. 
I don't think there is. What's a delta? Is that where a river splits? I, I'll look it up. <laughs> That's the only river word I know. Yeah. Deltas are wetlands that form as rivers empty their water and sediment into another body of water. So it's what you're look the word you're looking for? I did it. But not on the he wasn't at the wetland. But it's where the river dumps into the lake. But it's the wetlands around it, I think. Mm. You know? You know that like sandy, like moosh? How many rivers do you think I've been in? How many rivers have you been in? But yeah, that no, but that I think is what it is. Okay. Great. We learned. <laughs> Mystery Team Inc., the learning podcast. <laughs> so he went to Eddie's Boathouse, a rental place on the Rock River Delta. <laughs> but then how do you describe that? The Rock River. Oh, this says, uh, is it the river mouth? Into the lake? Mm-hmm. But I think the po- it wasn't on the mouth of the river that where it meets the lake. Oh, I was you, just what is trying, the word you're looking for? I was trying to describe that it is. That the river dumps into the lake without saying the word dumps. <laughs> Where the river flows into the lake. Which is what I said. Okay. Like, oh, I said a rental place on the Rock River, which flows into Lake Erie. And I just felt, ugh, I guess that's how you say it. Yeah, I think it is. You're right. A delta is like the land form. Listen, one of us has um, been in a lot of rivers. <laughs> so... The owner of Eddie's Boathouse, Lawrence Cotelier. Okay, this is one I need your help with. C-O-T-L-E-U-R. Cotlure? Cotlier? I would say Cotler, but... Cotler? But I don't know. Let's go with Cotler. Delta. Lawrence Delta. <laughs> Lawrence Cotler warned Lawrence Bader that there was a storm coming and it wouldn't be safe on the water soon. Lawrence Bader seemed unbothered. He paid a $15 deposit and asked that the boat be outfitted with lights. And Kotler pointed out that it wouldn't be dark for hours, but Bader insisted. Kotler also noted at this point that Bader was carrying a suitcase. So at 4.30 p.m., Lawrence Joseph Bader got into the motorboat outfitted with lights and oars and took off. It's reported that a Coast Guard saw Lawrence on the lake and warned him about the inclement weather. And Lawrence said he was just going to his favorite fishing spot nearby, and he would be fine. And that was the last time anyone spoke to Lawrence Joseph Bader. The next morning, Lawrence's boat was found washed up on the shore at Perkins Beach in Lakewood, which is a little more than five miles from the boathouse. One of the boat's propellers was bent, and the hull was scratched, but the Coast Guard said there was no evidence that it had capsized. One of the oars was missing and the gas can was empty, but all of the life jackets were accounted for. Also missing? Lawrence Joseph Bader. The Coast Guard conducted a thorough search of the water and found nothing. They also said that it would have been impossible to survive the storm in the water without a life jacket. After two months, the search was called off and in 1960, Lawrence Joseph Bader was declared legally dead. But then, between May 18th and 20th of 1957, not sure what day it is, um, a man named John Fritz Johnson, Fritz in quotes like it was his nickname, arrived at Ross's Steakhouse in Omaha, Nebraska, seeking a bartending job. He had with him a suitcase, a heavy canvas bag, and a Navy-issued ID. He told the owner he had just finished a 14-year stint in the Navy, 
during which he had bartended at clubs. Now, I did Google Navy bartender, (laughs) and it's a real job. Mm -hmm. You make $13 an hour. Nice. Not terrible. He told the owner that he had been discharged from the Navy due to a bad back and that he had decided he wanted to travel the country. Fritz got the bartending job and, as the Mental Floss article put it, quote, was soon holding court among the regulars. I couldn't change that because it's the only way to describe being a bartender with a bunch of regulars. That or, like, the best feeling in the world. (laughs) Um, People often remarked on his name, and he would tell them that he grew up in an orphanage in Boston and that in that orphanage there had been 22 babies who had all been found on doorsteps, and those babies were each given a generic name like John Johnson, and then a distinctive nickname. And he was called Fritz because he reminded people of a character in a comic strip from the 1920s and 30s called the Cats and Yammer Kids, which I did find. Mm -hmm. The Cats and Yammer Kids is a comic strip about two (laughs) kids named Hans and Fritz. And this is how Wikipedia describes it. They rebelled against authority, particularly in the form of their mother, mama, dare captain, a sailor who acted as a surrogate father, and dare inspector, a long-bearded school official. Other characters included John Silver, a pirate sea captain, the Herring Brothers, John Silver's three-man crew, and King Bongo, a primitive living but sophisticated acting Black jungle monarch who ruled a tropical island. Oh, my God. Now, usually the storylines were them playing pranks on these people. Um, Sometimes Dare Captain would take them on treasure hunts. Sometimes those treasure hunts were aided by John Silver, and sometimes they were competing with John Silver. I like that it's like, it's a story about two rebellious kids. They rebel against everyone. Their mom... Pirates. (laughs) Pirates. <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> Tribe leaders on tropical mm-hmm. islands. And Fritz is like, I actually have a picture I'll show you. I took a screenshot for you. Fritz, I'll post this on the Instagram so everybody can see. But he, <laughs> that's what he looks like. Oh, my God. It, if you remind someone of that, what is that nice or not nice? I think it, yeah, I mean, he looks like one of like Tweedledum and Tweedledee, but like, with hair. Mm-hmm. Like Tweedle hair. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so he also sometimes told people that he got the nickname Fritz because when he was in the Navy, he once got a haircut that made him look like a German soldier, which I think is also probably not great. Mm-hmm. Um, he also very rarely used his full name. He insisted that people call him Fritz. He signed checks as Fritz, and he even had bills made out to Fritz. He also had a weird habit of dating checks using the season and not the actual date. Like he would write like fall of 59 or whatever? Yeah, he just write fall. Hmm. (laughs) He led what is considered an eccentric life for 1950s Omaha. What year are we in now? Um... When he came to get this bartending job? He arrived in 57. But we'll have a date, a year update in a second. Um, He was, according to Mental Floss, a determined bachelor who went on frequent dates, 
sometimes playfully showing up in an old hearse with a lounge built into the back that he called his hunting vehicle. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Okay, I liked it up until the hunting vehicle part. It's really gross. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, showing up to a date in a hearse is hilarious. Yeah. But but then calling it your hunting vehicle is not. I also feel like having a lounge in the back is really predatory. Yes. But just, like, driving a hearse is funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, He was also a regional archery champion. Also, also... After his bartending shifts, he would go to the local radio station, KBON, and use the recording equipment to practice broadcasting. Stop. I know. And then in 1959, he was hired by the station, and he became a local radio celebrity. Times have changed, because if you did that now, you'd just get arrested (laughs) for breaking and entering. I know, truly. No, well, I don't know if you he broke wouldn't like, in. then get a job, right? But they'd be, they'd be like that weird guy who comes here to like <laughs> talk, and then he just like talks into the microphone, and yeah, they wouldn't be like, "Do you want a job?" I don't know if it was that he like had a show and it was at night, so like no one listened to it, or if he would it said to- practice broadcasting. I know, but remember how little information there is mm-hmm. about this. I wonder if he was just like. <laughs> Doing a night show? Like, was he sitting alone? Like in 30 Rock when Kenneth goes on to Conan's stage. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I was imagining. Oh, no. Nowadays, to get a job, you have to have 10 years experience. Yeah, right out of college. Mm -hmm. That's how you get a bartending job. You just lie. Mm -hmm. He lied. Mm -hmm. And he knew how to work the equipment because all of his Mm -hmm. (laughs) B&Es. It said that he pulled a stunt where he sat on top of a 50-foot flagpole for 15 days to raise money and awareness for polio. On Reddit, if you look up this story, most of the comments are like, how did you sit on top of a flagpole? <laughs> um, nobody knows. Flagpole sitting is a thing, though, that people do. Really? I don't know like what the logistics of it are, but yeah, it's the thing that people do. Do they sit? Do, do you get, like, know. a lifeguard Logis- platform? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know the logistics, but yeah. Pole sitting. Mm-hmm. A small platform is t- typically placed at the top of the pole for the sitter. There you go. It was a fad in the mid to late 1920s, but mostly died out after the start of the Great Depression. The current world record for flagpole sitting is 439 days. Why would you ever? Mm-mm. What do you do? The most famous flagpole sitter is Aloysius Anthony Kelly, known as Alvin Shipwreck Kelly. Let's do a story about that guy. He was a stunt actor and former sailor. So weird. I want to be a flagpole sitter. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I can't sit in one place for more than 20 minutes. You'd be recording the podcast like, well, Maggie, <laughs> the weather up here is fine. <laughs> in 19, 19- also, no mention of whether or not he actually raised money for polio. Wait, did you say money or awareness? Both. Yeah. But polio's eradicated, so good job. Mm -hmm. The flag sitting worked. Flag pole sitting. Mm -hmm. In 1961, Fritz met former model Nancy Zimmer. They got married, and he adopted her daughter from a previous marriage, and they had a son together. He was then hired. Fritz and Hans Zimmer? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Did he take her name? No. No. But did their son Hans take her name? I think so. Is this Hans Zimmer's origin story? <laughs> How old is he? It could be. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Wow. 
He was then hired at KETV, a local television affiliate, and began a prosperous career in television. There's like an iconic picture of him on like a very 1960s television set, but I can't really find any information about like what his shows were or part of me thinks this is all fake, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. In 1964, doctors found a cancerous tumor behind Fritz's left eye and he lost the eye in the treatment and started wearing an eye patch. Then on February 2nd, 1965, Lawrence Joseph Bader returned from the dead. <gasps> ah. And that's where we're going to take a break. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What? Who? Could, what? How could these two men be connected? <laughs> I, wonder. I wonder. All right. We'll be right back after these messages. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. We're back. Welcome back to Soothing Existential Nighttime Radio. Tonight, we sit down with dating expert autonomous drone prototype S3 to discuss love in the darkest timeline. And its new book, Organic Behavior Reprogramming Manual, second edition. All right. When we last left our characters, I'm not going to designate anyone as a hero. It was February 2nd, 1965. John Fritz Johnson was at a sporting goods show in Chicago demonstrating archery equipment. The story goes that an acquaintance of Lawrence Joseph Bader's from Akron saw him, recognized him as Lawrence despite the eye patch and mustache that Fritz wore, and immediately went and found Lawrence Joseph Bader's niece, Suzanne, who lived in Chicago. She went to the sporting goods convention, saw him, recognized him as her uncle, and went up to him and said, I'm sorry, but aren't you my uncle Larry? And Fritz, like, laughed and was, like, a little confused and was like, no, no, no. I'm John Fritz Johnson, Mm -hmm. and I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And Suzanne was, like, not buying it. So she immediately called her other uncles, Lawrence's brothers, who flew from Ohio to Chicago to confront Fritz. Fritz denied that he was their brother, but agreed to go with them to the police station to be fingerprinted because Fritz and Lawrence had both been in the Navy, so their fingerprints were on file. And the next day, the police called. The fingerprints were a match. (gasps) Despite the evidence to the contrary, Fritz continued to insist he had no memory of Lawrence or being Lawrence, and he started calling Lawrence that other fellow. Now, whether or not Fritz remembered being Lawrence or was Lawrence or whatever, his reappearance led to a few tricky legal situations. For one, an insurance policy worth $40,000 had been paid out to Mary Lou, and that's $400,000 today. So what happens with that? I looked it up, and here's what I learned. 
This is from an ins- a life insurance website called Quotacy. If a missing person is declared legally dead, the insurance company will pay out the death benefit proceeds under what is called a rebuttal presumption of death, which means that evidence can be brought at any time to prove that the missing person is still alive. And if the person who was declared dead is later discovered alive, the insurance company has the right to take back the money plus interest. No. Yeah. But the insurance company and the beneficiary can compromise on a settlement less than the full death benefit amount as like, if he comes back, then nothing will happen, but you get less money, then they can't take it back. Fucking capitalism strikes again. It's so weird. Um, Also, I learned that there is like a lot of criteria that need to be met in order to be declared legally dead. Okay. And it has to be like at least seven years, I read. Oh. Missing. Wow. And there has to be like no, there has to be like definitive proof that they didn't like leave. Sure. Mary Lou was also receiving social security payments. So I'm also assuming that she had to pay those back. Also, the boat guy wanted money for his destroyed boat. <laughs> he like came back out of the woodwork. I have so many questions. I'm going to hold them. Okay. Yeah. Also, because he was now alive, Lawrence was still married to Mary Lou, which means that at minimum, he was financially responsible for his family in Ohio, and at maximum, he was a bigamist. Mm-hmm. Wait, he married someone else? Yes. He married former model oh, Nancy, right. Nancy Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Hans. Hans' I remember his that. mother. Yes. We discovered a whole origin story. How could you forget? Uh, listen, apparently you can forget things. <laughs> I just learned. So He forgot. (laughs) Well, how can I not? He forgot his own origin story. So Lawrence slash Fritz hired a lawyer named Harry Farnham. Also, nobody said anything about this, but some sources said that when he arrived in Omaha and went to the restaurant to get a job, he told the owner that he was staying at like at a hotel Farnham or the Farnham Hotel near the airport. And then all of a sudden his lawyer is named Harry Farnham. That's weird. And no one has like said anything about it. My question is like, did anybody ever look up his Navy records? Well, this is another good question because it it said that he showed up to the restaurant with a A Navy Navy issued ID. Yes, but I'm, it had to have been for John Fritz Johnson. How long was the disappearance? Like, how long was his, how long was it before, between when Lawrence went missing and when Fritz arrived in Omaha? Three to five days. Three to five days? Mm Mm-hmm. So he didn't go join the Navy again under a false name. No. And what's interesting is that he was in the Navy. Lawrence was in the Navy. No, I know. I can, let's see if I can. Was he always in the Navy as John Fritz Johnson? Because that would be a long con. Yeah. Let's see. How long does it take to get a Navy-issued ID? I mean, in California, just to get an ID card, it takes three to four weeks. And this is the 50s. Maybe he make, is there a world where he could have just made an ID? Maybe in three to five days. Or before he left. Yeah, possible. So lawyer Harry Farnham recommended that he undergo a slew of psychological testing. After several days of intensive tests, doctors, according to the Mental Floss article, quote, could not say he was willfully deceiving anyone. 
and that it truly appeared he had no recollection whatsoever of being Lawrence Joseph Bader. He also spoke to reporters a little bit and said he didn't want to try to explore his memory because his doctors advised that doing so could be traumatic. And I kind of feel like, yeah, but we all do it at some point. Mm -hmm. We'll get him a little EMDR. Mm -hmm. I also feel like it's, to me, if he just like went into a fugue state and wandered off, that'd be one thing. But like the circumstances under which he disappeared make me feel like it would be incredibly it would require like an incredible number of random factors to fall into place to lead him to not remember yeah um so his lawyer argued in court that the tumor removal had damaged his memory and no one could prove that he was committing fraud so he never did any time but ketv fired him nancy left him He went back to work as a bartender where he made $100 a week, which is the equivalent of $900 today, which is good. Mm -hmm. 50 of that went to Mary Lou and the kids, which is $450 in 2022 money. $20 of it went to Nancy, which is $180 now. And Lawrence slash Fritz was left with $30, which is $100. I wrote $70, which doesn't seem right. But yeah. He was left with $70, and so he had to move into the Omaha YMCA. Mary Lou spent several months in seclusion after Lawrence reappeared, hiding from the press and from him. But in August 1965, she agreed to meet with him. She took the four kids to Chicago. Um, The meeting was amicable, but Lawrence slash Fritz continued to deny any memory of their life together. Mary Lou said at the time of the meeting that she was hopeful that he would remember and that he had just, quote, convinced himself that he doesn't recognize anyone. Unfortunately, he never got the chance to recover any of his memories, if there were any. In 1966, Lawrence slash Fritz's cancer returned, and he died on September 16th of that year. A service was held in Omaha for John Fritz Johnson. And then the body was taken to Akron, where he was buried in a family plot at Holy Cross Cemetery as Lawrence Joseph Bader. So the first theory is that given his looming debts and like the payouts he made in Chicago and and the fact that his wife was pregnant and another four kids. And then if you compare his life in Omaha to his life in Akron, he felt trapped and disappeared from his life and then went to start a new one. Mm -hmm. I wrote and highlighted, which means write more about this, reason I doubt this, question mark, and I, like, could not. There's, like, because when you first start researching this or reading about it, you're, like, obviously this guy left and started a new life. Mm -hmm. But as you started to discover and then I cut you off, there are so many things that it's, like, how did you get an ID that fast? Like, how are we, how is there like no evidence that he is deceiving anybody? Like, why wouldn't he just give it up if he's already paying child support to begin with? Why wouldn't he be like, my, I got bored, you know, because he lost everything. To me, the ID is uh, like a hash mark in the category he planned it. Yeah. I hadn't considered that he would have gotten the ID before. He would have had to, right? Yeah. Because like, you can't get it in those. 
I mean, he could have just made one, but he would have had to make it before, probably. Yeah, because for me, the ID was like a hash mark and he didn't plan it. He just like, but that was before I considered the idea that he could have just made. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think he like was in the Navy under a different name somehow? No, I don't. I don't. I didn't know the answer. He probably took it from someone when he was in the Navy. Interesting. But he was in the Navy like in the 40s. Yeah. So we think he was planning that all along. I mean, listen, I ended up with some girl's ID in college, like for no reason. And I would still have it if someone didn't take it away from me at a bar. Like maybe someone dropped an ID, he pocketed it, and it was just like in his Navy stuff. You know what I mean? That would be really lucky. Listen, I I lived with a, a girl who, well, I won't go into it. I, there was a girl <laughs> I lived with in college she had a lot of problems and like the first day I met her, she just produced like several ideas from like people that she'd gone to like high school and stuff with who were like t- over the age of 21 and was like, does anybody want any of these? And I was like, I mean, I'll take one. Yeah. It didn't that look like to me. me too. <laughs> but like I would probably still have it if I hadn't gotten it taken away. Yeah. I don't. It just or feels, made one. Yeah, I would think probably made one. But it just feels too coincidental for him to have, like, found some guy's ID, kept it all those years, and then been like, now's a good time to break this out. I mean, I would have if I was trying to run away and start a new life. But was he trying to run away and start a new life when he found it? No. So he kept it just in case he was trying to? Just kept it, like, for whatever, in case he, like, you know, like, oh, someone's ID is on the ground or, like, on the floor of the bunk or whatever. And, like... You just like pocket it to like return to them. You don't find them. You just put it. Then when you come home, it's like in your bag. You put it in the box with all your Navy stuff. You don't look at it for like 10 years. And then 10 years later, you're like, I'm running away from home. Is there anything sentimental I want to bring with me from my Navy box? And then you're like, oh, look at this ID. It's just very lucky. It's not that lucky. If I were trying to run away, I would have Felicia's ID. Do you know what I mean? Like. If you were trying to run away, I would get you a fake ID from China that comes in a puzzle box. But that's the other thing. Like, he could have easily made one or had one made. Yeah. For some reason, and like, little, like, naive, like, skipping through the woods with, you know, bread for granny, Kayla came out <laughs> and was like, <laughs> I was like, how do you get a Navy ID in three to five days? That's the only way a person could you get gotta a Navy You got to file with the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> he no, must have been in the Navy. Be. I mean, he literally walked into a Navy bar. He was a bartender before. <gasps> Dude, he was a he was a Navy bartender. No, Fritz was a Navy bartender. Yeah, but we don't know that Lawrence didn't bartend when he was in the Navy. No, we have no idea. He could have easily been a Navy bartender, which means he would have just constantly been handling Navy IDs. Oh, but wouldn't you give them back? Yeah, but what if someone gets drunk or whatever, or leaves their ID for like a tab or something? That's I'm still skipping through the forest. <laughs> no, dude, for real. Like, you know, when you like have a tab, mm-hmm. like nowadays they take your credit card and your ID. But what did they even do in the 40s? Like maybe they just put your ID on file and you paid the tab when you left and got your ID back like collateral. Interesting. And he just stole someone. He could have easily just like or or someone left it. I don't know. Also, Navy guy mortality rate is high. So there's no reason to believe that that wasn't just like some guy's ID that. Yeah. That's true. I think there's a million ways he could have gotten an ID, <laughs> all the way from like finding it on the ground to stealing it from a bar to making it. <laughs> but all of those tell me that he was planning <laughs> to run away. 
Because he had a suitcase on a boat. I'm going to grandmother's house to bring your goodies. The only thing, but the thing that I do think, uh, like, it was a good argument for the lawyer to make about the tumor. But And then I thought, well, if he had a tumor that whole time, maybe it was, like, pressing on his hippocampus or something. Mm -hmm. But if it was behind his eye, it wouldn't be near his hippocampus, right? I'm not a neuroscientist. Let me look. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get to the other theory and because it's about that. So the other theory is that he experienced some kind of dissociative amnesia, which Mental Floss says is a rare condition where a person has no memory of their life owing to trauma or stress. In a dissociative fugue state, they have the urge to travel and may invent a new personality, settling in a new area with no recollection of how they got there. I also tried to like look up types of amnesia to see if there was like any other evidence of that happening to somebody and the only kind of like intense amnesia that I could find and please email me if I'm wrong but was it's something called transient global amnesia which is sudden onset due to trauma but a person with TGA can't form memories and like it's rarer that they are unable to recall memories And also it usually resolves itself within a few hours and like sometimes 24 hours. Uh, But I I like was looking up like sudden onset, you know, retrograde amnesia. And I couldn't find any like big studies of this happening. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, like I said, if he just like wandered out the front door and was in a fugue state, like that happens all the time. Yeah. But the fact that he got on a boat with a suitcase Mm -hmm. for a quote unquote fishing trip. Like, why would you even bring a suitcase fishing? You wouldn't. Have you ever been fishing, Maggie? <laughs> okay. That's so my, you keep all my the fish. fish ignorance is showing. <laughs> no, you're right. But my question is then, like, how good of a fucking liar do you have to be to, like, be tested by psychologists for that long? In 1960? What about? what? Who are these psychologists, even? We don't know. They're doctors. Yeah, listen. <laughs> there were a lot of doctors in the 60s that did a lot of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. I don't know. Like, they were like, there's no way he could be lying. Give him was, cocaine. He was for sitting his in teeth. the corner, like, twiddling his mustache. <laughs> they were like, With he's eye patch, yeah. <laughs> literal villain in the corner. <laughs> They're like, he's showing no signs of deception. <laughs> and he's sitting over there, like, meh, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We don't know. I mean, yeah, I just wouldn't necessarily trust all that. I mean, he, or he could have been a sociopath, you know? Who knows? Yeah. And then my... It co- takes a little bit of sociopathy to just walk out the front door and leave your pregnant wife and your yeah. three kids. I'm also curious why once he was found out, he wasn't like, you got me. Because then he would have probably had to go back and oh, live with his wife. No. Then he would have been um, imprisoned for oh, fraud. yes. Correct. Did we solve Quibono. the mystery? Quibono. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think we, we might have solved it. the mystery. I don't think he disappeared. I think he ran from his life and then mm-hmm. was good at lying. Yeah, I agree. Man. I don't know why when I was doing this re- research, I was like, what could have happened? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a doctor from the 60s? I was like so naive. Like, Yeah. I've got to stop thinking the best of people. <laughs> no more benefits of the doubt. <laughs> We're done. We're done. No more benefits for the doubt. (laughs) And no more benefits to Mary Lou Knapp. 
or Hans Zimmer. Aww. No, we love Hans Zimmer. I wonder if, like, learning that his father was an evil villain is, like, what caused him to make such dark and rich mass <laughs> music. Soundscapes? Yes. <laughs> Don't call it soundscapes. <laughs> I hate soundscapes. Dude, Fritz was just lying. I'm convinced that he stole that Navy ID. Yeah. Um, and I, although I, John Johnson does feel like he made it up, mm-hmm. it's tricky. I couldn't tell you. Actually, it sounds like someone was like, "What's your name, son?" And he was like, mm, "John John J- J- Johnson." Yeah, with but it was like if that person was born in I don't know, like the thirties. Like it's a very nineteen thirties name, John Johnson. Sure, they weren't trying that hard. Back or twenties, right? Because he was born yeah. in twenties. Yeah. John they Johnson. weren't trying that hard back no. then? Is that what you just said? Yeah. And they weren't like, this is my daughter, River. The name's John. John Johnson. <laughs> Sorry, my brain's on the fritz. <gasps> <laughs> that was very good. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that's the, I guess, non-mystery. That's of- the solved mystery. <laughs> of Lawrence Joseph Bader. Lawrence Joseph Bader. Uh, you heard it here first. We solved a mystery for once. Yeah, it was just a man... Abandoning his responsibilities. <laughs> As is usually the answer yeah. in in these unsolved mysteries. It was just a man who didn't want to be responsible for the things <laughs> he was responsible for. That's how we got here. Ugh, that's how a lot of us got here. <laughs> that's how I got here for sure. <laughs> that's an adoption joke, folks. Anyway, that's all I have for you. Great we job. solved it. So there's no like I loved it. Great. I'm glad you loved it. There's no there's no there's nothing you're gonna throw at me now that in there <laughs> where you were like, oh, but we forgot. I know this that's all I have. Confounding variable that changes everything. No. Because usually this is the point at which we go, oh, but then how do you explain the train? Yeah. Because the whole there time was no train. I keep going, but how do you explain the ID? And then you're just like, people lie. <laughs> <laughs> they do that's true all right great job thanks for solving that mystery and bringing me back down to earth thanks for listening guys thank you for listening if any of you are like me and naive we'll we'll have a little group talk later (laughs) all right should we have like um should we have like naivete anonymous we (laughs) we should have over trusters yes For, like, benefits of the doubters. Mm. And you get, like, a chip when you don't give out the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like, a man approached me at a gas station and told me that he needed money because he his car ran out of gas and he needed to get home to his kids. So I gave him my credit card. <laughs> Hi, Kayla. <laughs> That's all there Listen, is. we know. Stay in your lane. Fuck with the buck up. No smooches for you this time because (laughs) I don't trust you. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.